To say that I'm obsessed with personal finance is an understatement, but I've struggled to find someone I can relate to who can provide sound money advice, partly because in generations past, my culture has frowned upon these types of discussions. The Check Your Money podcast was created in my quest to find a space of support and network of people just like me that want to grow financially. I'm excited to share ways you can improve your current and future financial health, set and meet money goals, and even plan for retirement in this ever-changing economy. I hope that by the end of this episode, you'll say to yourself at least once, I need to check my money today. Hi, and welcome back to Check Your Money. If you grew up with your parents filling up the five-gallon water jug instead of using a bank, then this episode is for you. I'm explaining the foundation of investing, where you can go to learn more, places I go to keep up to date on the market and companies, how to practice trade without risking any money, and where you can go to open up an account when you're ready. Grab whatever you use to take notes. So like I said, today I want to talk about investing. Don't be scared. I'll start by saying that there's a few places you can easily open up an account with zero minimum, like no money, just to open the account, obviously. From there, the only minimum is how much whatever you're going to buy is going to cost. Let me just tell you that one AT&T stock is about $30 right now. So for $30, you're an investor. This is within your reach, even if you always thought that it wasn't. So now that I've got your attention, and wait, before I actually even get started, I need to make sure I say that to give investment advice, you need to be a licensed, registered investment advisor. I'm not providing investment advice in this podcast, not in this episode. I'm telling you what investing means, how you can get started if you're interested, what some options are out there for you to put your money into, and how I got started in investing. From when I got started investing, I talk about what I do and where I go to do my research. Investing is a gamble. You can win big and you can lose big. It is a risk. But over time, it actually has the potential to provide you with returns, which is money, than having your money sitting sitting in a savings account. So now that I got that out the way, I had a conversation with somebody last week that was uh, pretty enlightening. He had come across my LinkedIn page, checked out my podcast, and he had reached out to me, which was pretty cool. I've been getting quite a bit of people reaching out to me, which I really appreciate it, it validates what I'm doing. I know people are listening and I know people are appreciating the information, which I really like. But um, so there's a few things that came out of that conversation, which really resonated with me. One of them was about investing. So I had mentioned to him that I only recently started investing. And what I mean by that is aside from my retirement plans, because I'm big about com- compartmentalizing So like my retirement is retirement money. It goes away. I don't think about it. It's not for, you know, till later. My savings is my savings, like my emergency savings that goes away. I don't think about it. It doesn't exist. It sits there until I need it. And my investing is kind of like the money I'm going to use to like kind of play with, um, hope that it grows. um, And that's what I consider investing, like the money that's not my retirement and that's not sitting in my savings. So what I'm talking about is considered a taxable brokerage account. So anyway, he seemed surprised. And all right, he was surprised. (laughs) So I elaborated. I said that I always thought investing was not for me. 
not for people like me. Um, I felt that it was out of reach. My parents didn't invest. My dad died at like 63 years old. And I talked about him, you know, in my last episode, but he died at 63 and he didn't even have a retirement account. Um, I remember hearing my aunt um, had like AT&T stock back in the day, but she worked there. So in my mind, that's just what happens when you work somewhere. It's kind of, you know, the way I thought about it and really think much about it. Like she was, you know, investing. And I know some of you listening understand what I mean. So research shows that Hispanic and Black Americans invest in stocks at a much lower level than whites and Asians with similar incomes and educations. There's been a history of discrimination and there's also been psychological barriers. Like I just explained before, like I thought that's not something, you know, I do or I could do. Um, as many people are aware and recognize segregation shut down Black Americans out of adequate educational opportunities. But this doesn't speak to intelligence. It only speaks to experience. And your experiences shape your outlook and they shape your decisions. And when your financial and physical survival is threatened, it's no doubt that these factors will affect your outlook and your decisions. Now, I remember as a kid hiding stuff under my mattress. Um, diaries and all kinds of crap. Um, I saw a meme recently that showed this as the Latino family bank. I was like a lady with like the mattress over her head and she was like in there fumbling with papers and money. My dad did the five gallon water thing. You know, he had put it behind a plant and he would empty it out every so often, which I actually didn't realize was a common thing for other Hispanics. But it, you know, it never occurred to me until I started researching for this episode that there was a reason that Hispanics don't trust banks. Um, so it's the same as I just talked about for Black Americans, but but different, obviously. So they've brought their money beliefs and experiences from their home country, which includes not just the lack of education for some, but the lack of trust in financial institutions because of a corrupt corrupt government and poverty. It was just one year ago that in Puerto Rico, six people were arrested and charged with um, conspiracy and some other crimes in connection with millions of dollars in federal education and Medicaid funds. Among those were former high-ranking Puerto Rico government officials. So this is still happening now. And don't forget that a lot of immigrants come here seeking political asylum. This is still a thing. Some aren't familiar with the English language, but more importantly, the language of money. So how and why would they participate in something they don't understand? How many of you translated for your parents when you went to school and they, you, know, you had to translate for your parents and your teachers to communicate? I personally did, and I'll be honest, but I know, I know many who had to. And you know what, there's actually something that comes full circle for at least for me in my mind. If your parents didn't know the language, right, and you had to be the translator, but as I've explained before, and as many of you know, it's taboo in our culture to talk about money and your parents don't trust the banks. So they are what's called unbanked. Um, I did the air quotes for those who, you know, everybody who can't see, obviously. Um, and they use the water jug or the mattress method of banking. And add to that, like just kind of keep adding. Um, they don't really teach financial literacy in school. 
how were you supposed to learn how to make your money grow? We all know how to spend, but we all don't know how to invest. And get this, the more you spend, the more they, the investors, make money. Because your and my spending increases company profits, which in turn increases investor returns. Now, what can you do about it? You can start now. You can learn now. The day that is better than yesterday is today. Gain some money confidence and get past your fear. All right, so back in the day, in order to trade stock, you either did it over the phone or through a broker. And brokers didn't really care about the little person, the just dipping my toe investor, because there's no commission in that. I'm not sure even now I'd feel comfortable walking into a brokerage firm office. There's this invisible wall in my mind. And behind that wall are people that they don't look like me. They don't get me. They don't know my life, as you know I always say. But now there's the internet. And the internet has literally changed everything. And it's put investing within reach of day-to-day people. So I talked about retirement planning in episode four, but I didn't really get into what you do once you have that account. If you've got a 401k um, and some of these other retirement plans through your job, you usually don't have a lot of choices. Um, Up until recently, I was in a target date fund. And what that means is you plug in when you're going to retire and they split your money up for you based on that date. So it's done in a way that's more risky the longer time you have to retire. And risky is usually stocks. Less risky is usually bonds. So generally speaking, the formula is something like this. They take your age and subtract it from 100. Then that's the percentage they put in stocks. And again, general formula. So if you're 30... 70% of your portfolio, and your portfolio is your account, all the money you have in there, they put that in stocks, and then 30% in bonds. If you're 70, then 30% would be in stocks, because you don't want to be so risky as, as you're about to retire, and 70 in bonds. And while I said, you know, 100 is usually the number, sometimes they use like 120, or they use something like that, but it's the same concept. And then from there, you just leave it alone. So you, it's what they call set, set it and forget it. You just put the money there. It's your retirement money. It sits there. You don't touch it. And that's it. So that's one type of investing. And that's what's considered tax advantaged because for the 401k or the retirement plans like that, like 403b and 457, you don't get taxed on it right now. You get taxed on what you put in and the money that you made, which is your earnings, when you withdraw from the account. If you wait till you're supposed to, which is 59 and a half and beyond, you just get taxed. If you touch it before that, you get taxed and penalized. So you get like a a fine or whatever, like a 10% uh, fine on your taxes. So you don't want to touch it before you're supposed to, if you can help it. But they figure you're going to be in a lower tax bracket after the 59 and a half and you'll owe less taxes. And again, this all depends on your personal situation. 
But the type of investing I want to talk about today is the taxable in- investing. And how do you get to the point where you feel like slightly comfortable to put your money in there? Well, I talked about money mentors. Um, money mentor doesn't even have to be somebody that you know. Could be, it could be somebody that you know. It could be a website. It could be just somebody you're following on Instagram that provides really great direction, not advice, not telling you what to do, but just some sort of direction that gets you thinking and gets you, you know, looking at stuff and try to figure stuff out. And a lot of people on Instagram are so ready and able and willing to help you out that if you DM them, I guarantee that at least half of them will write you back. Like if you've got a question like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Can you help me? They may, you know, point you to a resource. They may help you personally. Um, You know, some people will charge you. So, you know, maybe just see what free advice you can get or, you know, if you want to pay for it, whatever. I wouldn't, but hey. Um, And when I say I wouldn't, there's definitely a lot of great people out there doing like webinars and stuff. If you could get in a webinar and pay for that, I've seen some of those really be worth the money. And when I say money, I mean, I was in a webinar that was great. The finances in Fuego was like 30 bucks. And it was five days of women helping you with your money. You were able to ask questions. You were, you know, in a group with everybody, you know, virtually. And that was really, really helpful. But anyway, so again, I insist that you find a money mentor. I insist that you do not choose just one. You don't just want one person's perspective. And by the same token, if you're already investing, if you've taken your hard-earned money and dipped your toe or your foot into investing, I encourage you to be a money mentor. All this means is to talk about your investing experience with other people. You might just come across someone who has experience as well and might give you some other insight. Or you might come across someone who's never tried it and was curious but just didn't know who to ask. This is how you help others grow. I've said it before. I've honestly hung out with friends where we end up talking about money. And I can't say this was the case for me 10 years ago. A money mentor can help remove that initial fear of investing. So if you're comfortable, it's your responsibility to be one. And if you're a newbie, it's your responsibility to find one. So a nice site um, and resource to start learning about stocks is Motley Fool. That's M-O-T-L-E-Y Fool. And their website is actually easy. It's fool.com. If you go on their main page, you'll see what's trending, which basically means what stocks or industries are being looked at or talked about um, right now. And, you know, for whatever reason, good, bad, um, they have an investing basics tab there where you can learn more about personal finance for free. And they do offer a paid membership for stock advice as well. And again, if you pay for it, whatever, but just know you're getting just their advice, their opinions, which, you know, over time I think has, has been really good, but you don't want to stick to just one. I personally like Jim Cramer like loud and he does this thing (laughs) on his show um where he has like a lightning round 
and he spends five minutes answering people's calls like fast AF about what to do with their stocks or something they're thinking about buying. He has a show called uh, Mad Money. It's on CNBC. And like once a week or so, I just Google Jim Cramer, Mad Money, and I see what he's getting all riled about, you know, riled about this week. So um, like I said, I like his lightning rounds. Um, if you want to learn about companies people are currently talk about, he's another good option to provide that info aside from Fool. Like I said, I kind of look at both. And again, I'm not saying do what he says. I'm saying listen to what his opinion is. I actually started off by watching his show and getting a feel like for the lingo and what I should be looking out for. Once you start learning the basics, you can move on to like finance Yahoo. So it's like finance.yahoo.com or morningstar.com. And again, like you've got to have the basics under your belt before you move on to these. And I say that because these sites can be a little bit overwhelming. They could be a lot overwhelming. They provide a lot of financial articles from a lot of different places. And it could just be like a bit too much information if you're starting out, but it's something to keep in mind for later. So you've got stock, which is buying a little piece of the company. And then you've got this other thing called exchange traded funds. So if you ever hear somebody talking about or see something online or whatever about ETFs, that's what that is, which is like buying a stock, but it's got a few different stocks in it and sometimes more than just a few. They're basically what they call investment vehicles that invest in multiple securities. So a lot of different companies, sometimes different um areas like different sectors um but you could buy it just like you're buying a stock right but again it's a collection of stock or commodities or bonds so it's just it's a group and it's a good way to diversify which diversify just means it's a way to have a few different things diversification is actually recommended as an investment strategy or a way to invest because if you have one stock and it goes down you're down. If you have an ETF and one of the stocks inside of it go down, chances are that other stuff in that basket, like in that group, may not necessarily go down. So you'll kind of even out. Um, you don't necessarily lose. They could be a good starting point instead of taking a chance on one company. Again, up to you. I own both. Like I own ETFs and I own regular like stocks, like just like company stuff. Then you've got price and you've got yield. You've got buy, hold, sell. Don't go. Wait. Um, <laughs> the price of a stock, an ETF, go up and down every second of the day while trading is open. So let's say you buy a stock at $30 then you happen to hear that stock is down. Do not freak out. This will happen. You cannot keep going back and forth and checking. It will go up, it will go down, okay? And if it's down, it's what they call a paper loss, right? 
meaning you haven't actually lost anything. I know it looks like it. If you log in your account and you say you put in $30 and now it's at 23 and you're like, oh my God, I lost $8. No, you haven't. I swear. It just looks like you lost something, right? <laughs> it looks like you did on paper. You don't actually lose something until you sell it or unless you sell it. And this is why you can't freak out because if you freak out and you sell it, then you did lose. You officially lost. You lost your $8 and that's it. I bought four shares of Facebook at like, I don't know, $40, $45 when it first came out. Let's just say $45. So when it first came out, which the, the correct word is went public. So when it went public, I bought four shares of Facebook stock because I was like, I'm not willing to lose more than $200. Um, and there was, I think, fees or something at that time. So I just bought the four. Then all of a sudden, it starts dropping and people start selling it. I could have actually bought more at under the 45, but I just, I was like, I'm not doing that. I closed my eyes and I left it there. Okay. Technical term for closed my eyes and left it there is hold, right? <sighs> Last I checked, it was at like $232 each. So I put in about 180 and right now that 180 is worth 928. I'm going to leave it there cuz you never know even with, you know, what's going on right now or whatever, but it doesn't always go that way, right? So like I bought four shares of again with my $200, I bought four shares of Uber when it first came out at like, again, 40 some odd dollars each. And right now it's like at $30. Actually, I think I just checked this morning and it's doing even worse than that, but whatever. Um, again, I'm just going to leave it there. So personally, I like just to buy the stock and, and hold, but you've got what they call day traders. And those people buy and sell, sell stuff all day long, making money here and there. That's way too much time for me. And that's way too much guessing for me. So, you know, I'm not going to do that, but hey, like to each his own. When, so what I just explained is one way to make money with stocks, right? You buy it, you know what they call buy low, sell high. That's how you make money, right? But there's another way and it's called dividends. So when you see the world word yield with a percent amount, that means that stock pays dividends at this percent. A stock that pays an annual dividend of $5 or dividend rate of $5 and is trading at $100 a share has a yield of 5%. All this means is that if you have one stock, like one share of this stock, you get $5. Okay, that's all that means. 5%, $100 a share, you get $5 at the end of the year on top of the fact that you still own that, right? Now, you don't have to sell the stock to get your $5. You just get your $5. But if you choose what's called a dividend reinvestment, so when you're, you know, let's just say you decide to buy the, the stock of AT&T that I just talked about, right? Or whatever, you know, whatever you're going to buy. When you buy it, it's going to ask you, do you want a, a dividend reinvestment? If you say yes, what they're going to do is at the end of the year, let's just say it's five dollars. They're going to take your five dollars and they're going to put it back into the fund. So you end up getting like a little itty bitty piece of that fund, like another another share. 
And this keeps happening and happening. Um, I have one uh, Simon Property Group, actually. I think I bought like 25 shares of it or something, but they, they do dividends too. Like they give you, you know, you, you make dividends on it. They give you dividends, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I chose the dividend being reinvestment and I, I am at the point and I just got it like recently, like over a couple months ago. And I almost have 26 shares now. So basically they've taken that money, they've put it back in and they buy more for me, if that makes sense. And so I'm almost at a share that I didn't have to come out of pocket on that is being added to my portfolio. So they're basically using my money to, to buy me more stuff and I don't have to do anything. But you can choose to take your $5. The only thing is, is that if you take your $5, you're going to get taxed on your $5. So just, you know, leave it in there. Um, I, I personally leave it in there. Um, and then you just kind of keep buying more stocks. So this is the Cliff Notes version. And again, I know I keep talking about the Cliff Notes. And look, this is my thing, okay? Um, <laughs> um, but that's the Cliff Notes version of what stocks and ETFs are and how you make money uh, with them. Believe it or not, you can actually practice before jumping in. Uh, TD Ameritrade offers uh, simulated uh, trading which is basically fake trading. Um, they also have, if you go on their website, they have like hundreds of videos um, covering every investment topic imaginable um, from stocks to ETFs and some stuff I didn't mention because um, I really just wanted to go over the basics, but um, the other stuff would be mutual funds, options, bonds, and even retirement. Um, progress tracking is also a part of the learning experience there. So you'll see like, you know, how far you've come and what you've learned and maybe just, like I said, get a level of comfort before you actually start putting money in there. Now I'll add, they, my air quotes, say you should be debt-free and have your emergency fund set up before you invest. And eh, I, mean, I mean, you could do that or you could do it all at the same time. Put in the $30, see what happens. It might be that when you start seeing your stocks make money, that might be the fire you need to get your other stuff in order so you could put more. There's no, in my opinion, and I know a lot of the people out there, um, you know, they have rules that you should be following. I'm not big on money rules. You know, like I've said before, I'm all about the it is what it is budget. You know, you can't tell me, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing because I do what works for me. So, yeah, I mean, should you be like severely in debt and then taking a thousand dollars and putting in stocks? Yeah, probably not. But if you want to take $30 and jump in, take $30 and jump in. I mean, it's not that serious. Um, it's $30 at the end of the day that you're going to be losing not you know, 3000 or something crazy. So, like I said, the only thing I will say, though, is you don't want to invest a whole lot of money that you're going to be needing in the next five years. So if you're saving like for a short term goal, you might want to skip investing for now and put that money in a high yield savings. Because, like I said, thirty dollars is one thing. Thirty uh, three thousand dollars is a whole other ball game. When you're ready, the easiest thing to do is to find an online brokerage account. 
Like I said, you could start by investing a small amount of cash or by creating a paper account that buys and sells real stocks, but in, in an experimental virtual account. So you're not actually, you know, putting your bank information in there. Um, I, you know, I talked about TD Ameritrade. I like E-Trade as well. Um, I personally have my stuff with E-Trade. Um, but there's a few. So I actually just, I Googled, you know, online brokerage accounts for beginners because that'll have like the most research stuff and, and resources and five came up. So the first one was actually the TD Ameritrade. It says best overall for beginners. Um, E-Trade was the second one. It says best web-based platform. There's also Fidelity, which says uh, great education and research. Charles Schwab has excellent research tools. And the last one that popped up was Robinhood. It said it was easy to use, but there was no tools. But there's just, you know, some, some that you can pick from there. In order to open up the account, so let's just say you're ready. You're going to open up an account. They're going to ask you for some basic information, your name, your address, email address, stuff like that. But they're also going to ask you for your social security number. Okay. This is normal. Unless you're paper fake trading, if you're actually about to put money in an account, it is normal for them to ask for your social. All right. So don't be alarmed when they ask you for that. I should have added that you'll get taxed on what you make. And I know I talked about the $5 getting taxed, but you'll actually also get taxed on what you make. Um, it's the same as money you make from working. It's actually not the same. That's what I meant to say. It's not the same as the money you make from working. Um, it's called long-term capital gains, right? So it's not like your wages and all that. Um, and it's taxed at either 0, 15, or 20% depending on your taxable income, so the money that you do make working, and your marital status. So for single pe people, single people benefit because um, they get the 0% capital gains rate, so 0% tax, if they're also um, under $40,000 in income, okay? Um, again, this is only for when you sell and if you decide you want to keep the dividends. But this is why they need your social. Um, then you link your bank account to it so they can, so that you can transfer money into it, which is called funding. So funding your account is when you put money into it. So this is for online broker. Um, if you want to buy and manage your own, a brokerage account at an online broker is for you. And you self-direct it is what it's called. So you'd manage it yourself. But let's just say you have some money and you don't want to be doing so much research. Um, you want somebody to do it for you. I'm fully for please learn. Um, you want to, you know, keep an eye on your money. You want to know what's going on. You don't want to put it in somebody else's hands. But um, like I said, you know, part of, in my opinion, it defeats the point of learning. But again, it, if this is what gets you in until you gain your confidence, then so be it. But um, if that's what you want, then what you're looking for is called a robo-advisor or a managed portfolio. And I'll be honest, I actually have both. So before I worked up the nerve to get anything past my $200 of Facebook, I, um, well, 
yeah, I did the $200 of Facebook. Then I did this because like that was all I really had the nerve for. And I put something in a what they call a managed portfolio, which E-Trade has, which is really cool. Um, you put your money in there um, and they decide what to do with the money that I put in there. So instead of me picking the stocks and me p- picking the funds, they pick it and they put it in there and they like diversify, like I talked about before. So they've got like international stuff. They've got money in big companies, little companies, middle-sized companies, a tiny bit in cash. So they 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 do all that work. And again, it's like I know what's going on now. I know like where they have my money. And now that I've gotten the confidence, I'm putting my money in my own stuff that I'm picking. So you can go both ways. You could go one way. There's no wrong way. Um, I just recommend that whichever way you're picking that you continue to stay informed and that, you know, you, you're doing your research. Like I've got the money in the managed portfolio. Ah, it's doing pretty good actually. Um, so I might just leave it. But now that I, I know a little more than when I started, I might pull it out. Like, I'm not sure, but, but now that I know better, you know, I, I might just, you know, what I wish to say, when you know better, you do better. Um, so we'll see. But anyway, that's that's my way of diversifying is by putting the managed portfolio and then putting it in the stuff that I know. All right. But that's it. Um, I hope that I've taught you a little something. Um, I hope that I have encouraged you, uh, inspired you, motivated you to learn about investing. I know I went really fast. Um, if there's anything that you want to know more about, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, dip your toe or simply find a money mentor. You've got this money thing. And if you don't have it now, you will. Quick check your knowledge. So are you looking for a job? Uh, Most of us know about Indeed, LinkedIn, Hot Jobs, Monster. I might've just aged myself, but whatever. I think those are the bigger ones. But I Googled help Hispanics find jobs just, you know, for giggles and whoa, the sites that came up when I did that. The one I found the most interesting was it's called aceonline.org. It was, so it's H-A-C-E online altogether.org. The ACE, so the H-A-C-E, stands for the Hispanic Alliance for Career Advancement. That one stood out for me because I recognized one of their sponsors. You can partner with them or you can use their job search and they also have leadership programs. So again, don't, you know, always stick with the big ones, you know, just search, job search for whatever, you know, find me a job. I don't know. And (laughs) you'll get all these other resources. So don't limit yourself to just the big guys. Check it out. Thanks again for listening to the Check Your Money podcast. I would love to hear from you. You can email me feedback at norma at checkyourmoney.today. And remember to subscribe, follow, and rate at Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Also, if you can, please leave a review if you're enjoying this podcast. 
It's the easiest way to help it grow and be able to help continue to motivate and inspire others. The information provided in the Check Your Money podcast, associated social media accounts, and website is intended solely for the personal non-commercial use of the user who accepts full responsibility of its use. While we have taken every precaution to ensure that the content of the aforementioned is both current and accurate, errors can occur. We accept no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content. The information provided by Check Your Money and its affiliated entities is general in nature provided for educational purposes only and should not be considered to be legal, tax, accounting, or investing advice. In all cases, you should consult with professional advisors familiar with your personal factual situation for advice concerning specific matters before making any decisions.